Are the rumours true that this is out with the flooring porter betting syndicate that we were... They're trying to, to hide the money here, Will. That's what yeah. they're trying to do now. I can either <laughs> confirm nor deny that. <laughs> Subscribe to the Hurling Pod feed on the OTB Sports app now. All right, you're very welcome along. It's Monday morning. We are bright-eyed and bushy-tailed after what is definitely the best and most interesting sports weekend of the year so far. If you've got anything you want to get off your chest, you can get it to us 087-918-180. That's the WhatsApp number. Or you can leave a comment in the YouTube stream. Pester us however you want because we're here for it this morning on That's Right. We certainly are. How are you getting on? Yeah, pretty good. Um, not not quite as, as good as you. I presume you're parachuting yourself into the green in the uh, Gillette Labs performance rankings this morning, given that you managed to somehow wangle your way into a corporate box yesterday to watch your own county crown themselves kings of the kingdom. Yeah, I mean, do, do, I, do I lose badges for this? Do, does, does certain privileges within, within the, the mafia get revoked as a result of taking a corporate box ticket? Is that what happens? I, I think there's this kind of weird regard for the people who make it to the corporate boxes in the GA world because everybody gets there at some point right that's what happens like somehow somebody manages to wangle their way in they know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody and a ticket magically appears and no one you're not begrudged it the way you would be if you said you went to a corporate box at Manchester United or Liverpool or or you know Chelsea uh, like you know you can because we, we know I think you got rewarded for sitting in the rain in Tralee and Killarney this year mm-hmm. and where were you in Monaghan? In the scheme. Right. What didn't rain that day? Uh, you know, you, you have the uh, the little notches on your bedpost to show that you were at all the games. Yeah, it's a reward. It's a, you soldier for so long and then the ultimate reward is, is, is a corporate box where you can uh, drink from a glass as opposed to a piece of plastic. And the Prosecco is, was good, was it? Oh, I mean, uh, possibly the best team in any sport ever is uh, what my thumbs wanted to say after that experience. Uh, and uh, it was a pretty straightforward coronation of all of the, all of the kings. You are all kings. You all have lovely kingdom bottoms. Oh my god! Well, wasn't it such? It was. It was an anticlimax, I presume, from a neutral perspective, wasn't it? Like it, it did. It, it actually looked worse on television than it did in real life. Naturally, We're kind of watching back a few of the scores, some fan footage from the Cusick stands taken of one of the Paddy Clifford scores in the first half, and it was like, wow, this is walking pace. This really is not kind of even what it seemed from. From uh, up in our in our gilded box, to be honest. So um, I don't know. Like, there's going to there's going to be so many pieces written and said about how much we can or cannot read into what we saw yesterday. But the thing is, we saw a large swathe of people who are going to be in the first choice teams for both of these teams. For both of these teams, that goes for Mayo as well. And that, for me, when the weather is good and you're playing in Croke Park, means that you can read quite a lot into it. Not not a whole pile. You're but quite, quite a lot into it. You I mean, are counting every second of that, and you are holding it, and uh, you're like, yeah. Yeah, that, that was a real game. The yeah. referee kept score. The scoreboard kept ticking over, and I was drinking prosecco. That's your yeah. recollection I, of the day. For, for the record, I, I was not drinking prosecco. I wish I was. That would have been a very good idea. But uh, I was, I was not in, in that uh, in that state of mind yesterday. But like, I mean, do we, do we just disregard everything? Do we just bury everything and say, oh, everything else there was that. true? Everything else there was true. Well, look, we'll get to that. We'll get to mm. that in the performance. Right? We will. So we'll get to it with Anthony Moyles a little bit later on. Here's what's coming up between now and 10 o'clock this morning. We're going to get straight into the performance rankings. Daniel Harris is going to join us 10 past 8. Sports pages at 8.30. After that, we've got Alan Quinlan. Plenty to talk about in rugby. Uh, Ron Rogar is a new contender for the England job, it turns out. Uh, Alan Quinlan at 8.40. Anthony Moyles at 9 o'clock. And then the Sunday papers reviewed for you properly at half past 9. But at 7.34 this morning, it is time for the Gillette Performance Rankings. 
you know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on their second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is just lack that intensity. Right, so every week we do this and uh, you can get involved by telling us what you think is going to happen and you could win a Gillette Performance Lab starter pack. Uh, you Best place to enter is on Instagram the night before, but you can still do it now. Uh, get your con- get your comments in. Um, use the hashtag OTBAM. If you're a Twitter user, you can leave a comment on the Facebook page or indeed uh, you can get us in the YouTube comments. Owen, take it away, baby. Uh, well, we will start in the red as we do every week. We've got a couple of uh, rugby storylines to get through before we get into some golf and then GEA to finish up this morning. So our first item in the red is Munster in at number five this morning after their performance against Leinster on Saturday night. Not an overly surprising outcome, I guess, Leinster beating Munster well, considering Leinster have been a bit ahead of Munster over the last little while. But it does feel that every defeat is just more disappointment because there is a feeling that the tide will turn eventually, but when that moment is, uh, it remains to be seen at this point. I guess when you're experiencing this thing live, that hope definitely kind of washes through you. You're like, okay, this may be two different teams on two different levels, especially when you look at what was going to come from the Leinster bench but you still had that moment in what was it the 39th 40th minute right before half time where Devon Toner gets picked up by Scannell and Peter O'Mahony is like brought to a horizontal and it's like the biggest man ever has been picked up and slammed to the ground by Munster people Munster uh, in the lead here at home in a boisterous Thoman Park may not have been uh, fully sold out but it's still a boisterous Thoman Park we've lifted up the Leinster man and slammed him to the ground. That's it. That's that 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 is the turning of the rivalry, and then Munster end up losing the ball off the scrum, and Leinster actually go into the break in the lead. And that for me was the sort of turning point and indicative of what was going to come later in the game. And what was it? Forty six minutes on the clock, and they're like, "Yeah, we need to bring on an absolute world class front row." Sorry, we can't call front row as world class. Remember, I forgot about that lesson. But we're going to bring on a very very good front row just to, to crush you and make sure that this is going one way and one way only. And I think that second half probably exposed a chasm between these two teams, especially when the game opened up. And as we all know, Leinster, very comfortable in chaos. And once chaos ensued, a trashing ensued. It was it was an absolute thrashing. Like, it, there's very difficult to dress this up anyway, other than the game was over, as you say, pretty much at half time because that score seems to have taken some psychological life out of Munster which really shouldn't be happening when they're at home in a game which has some relevance like it maybe we shouldn't overstate it maybe there's a, a bang of the league final off this game because there are bigger things to come down the line but never give a sucker an even break right like try and win this game oh, maybe but, just by the way I'm, I'm bringing that back later on people take note never give a sucker an even break is, is Jurgen Roy's catchphrase that is coming back when we're doing the GA later on but sorry continue well I, I had been thinking about it in the context of the GA and it just popped into my head with this one it's like mm. how often do you tell Leinster they are superior to you before Leinster are like I mean we know we know we are better than you to the point where we're just going to crush you every time like I, I don't know. I, I, found the, I found there was a bang of Kildare versus Dublin in last year's Leinster final off the post-match comments about they're just better than us. I mean, yeah, they were too good on the evening. Well done to them. I think we gave away six breakdown penalties in the first half. That gave them access. The first try was a direct result of that. I felt they took the game away from us between minutes 48 and 60 with two very good tries. They just took it from us. Like candy from a baby. 
We fought to the end. That was never an issue. I thought we played pretty well. But if you give them access, they will punish you. Then maybe build a wall. Get an alarm system. Don't give them access. Except you guys are giving them the keys. You're like, oh, the door's open. Come on in. Make yourself at home on our couch. We've laid the beers out for you. Mm. That's the access they have to your front room. I don't know. I don't know. If there's a, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens over the next while because there is, there is the bang of lame duck off this at the moment. And you'd have to say that the next two weeks, you need to see a big performance and a big result and a big turnaround from Munster. Otherwise, this is another lost season in the brilliant careers of those players who are, it seems to me, not being served properly at the moment. Like It's hard to argue with what you're saying there. And when it comes to giving them access into the game and maybe laying down for Leinster... You could probably make a case for that maybe in, in terms of the, the quality of the team or the, the game plan potentially. It, but what, what's kind of strange for me is that Munster never seem to be laying down for their opponents mentally. And I know it is the old cliche about Munster that they don't stop fighting and all that sort of thing. But even into the second half, you had that moment when Thomas O'Hearn goes up for a ball and you know he, like himself and Ross Maloney get, get into it. And it's, a, it's not a brawl or anything close to it, but it's a bit of a schmazzle. And it's like, right, they're still bringing the fight on that level. Like There was a moment kind of before half-time where you had Carberry darting around a few players. Peter O'Mahony makes uh, a few very hard yards. Uh, and then Lockman, I think, as well. And like they're, they're really just grinding out every single phase, which kind of says to me that, yes, there is a golfing class between these teams, but Munster haven't thrown in the towel yet in, the, in, in this rivalry. Like I, I can see what you're saying, but I, I don't think that, that permeates through every part of this team just yet. And I definitely don't think it permeates through a whole swathe of players who are just ready to say, Leinster are better than us. Well, but so, so but the... Like, coach is saying it. Coach is saying they're better than us. Yeah, but I think, uh, like, I, I, I think this may, may actually be a disconnect between what the coach would be saying and, and, and what some of the players would be thinking. To well, be, that's not a great scenario, is it? How are you going to beat the best team in the country unless everybody is completely unified and going after the same target day in, day out in training? Like, like, it's, it's, yeah. like it's like what Ralph Ranick is saying about Manchester United. This has just been chaotic over the last number of years. And it feels like, it feels like things have, at Munster have been kind of chaotic. Like what? What was the, the the plan in signing those players that they signed? What identity were you trying to create? What problem were you trying to solve? Where's the evidence that you've got anywhere closer to solving the problem? Yeah, like but who are you talking about there? Van Gran, Van Gran, Van Gran, and and the hierarchy at Munster, who have followed this course of action and who wanted to keep Van Gran. Like they want, they want more of this. That's what they volunteered for, and he's walking away. But like the monster hierarchy wanted more of what we're seeing right now. Mm. And what what about the like so, so what about the, the the relatively fair mitigating factors in terms of the players that Munster are missing and the fact that they just do not have the depth that Leinster have. And yes, I know you're you're the really listening. Team. He's falling asleep on his hands. The on Leinster his team wasn't exactly their first choice team I know, to start but the game. The whole thing about Leinster is that their depth is the thing. The, yeah, the, like the Leinster depth is the thing. And, and in fairness, that, okay. So sure, the school system in Leinster is really good. We 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 understand that. But have Leinster also been better at like getting more players through? Like I don't. And I, of course they have. Of course they have. And like it'll be interesting. So to there see are what structural happens. issues, of course. But what 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 has the coaching? What has the coach and the hierarchy done to mitigate that? They invested in Damien Delende, who's leaving. They've they invested a lot of time and effort and caps in Chris Clote, who's leaving, who uh, like, who but, wasn't good enough. Like, well, I mean, he was he was good enough to play a lot for Munster over the was, last few yeah, years. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, like, what, what, what are you going to do? You're just going to. I'm going to sign better players. 
I'm going to sign better players. But I'm he, not he was good enough take... to start for Munster. But he wasn't. He actually, but he, he was he never was... good enough to start in a, in a Champions Cup. multiple different coaches thought he was. Well, like, but because that... I, the, for, in in, in he, Pro he 14 games contracts. beyond. Grand, but like if... I actually think... So, I actually think that is one of the key problems is that the recruitment has been, has been bad. You're bringing in players who are fine. Grand. Well, look, Dialande is not fine. I mean, uh, Dialande has just won the World Cup. Slimey, they got desperately unlucky with. The Jenkins thing is going to be really interesting now. He's been desperately unlucky with injuries as well. See if he actually has a great career at Leinster. Clote is actually more important because he's played more games than any of them, and, right? And he's and, your week in, week out guy. And he has, he has been a weak link. He has not been worthy of his place in that team ahead of several of those academy players who actually haven't ended up getting the experience that they could have got. Like, it, it, makes, no, it makes no sense to me to have signed a, a bunch of players who... Like what was the point of that? To make the team better. And did it did it, did it make the team better? Well, can you, can you say hand on heart? You think the team is a better? It's a better team when Chris Clode is in the team than when he's not in the team. Well, I would say that the Munster coaches, many Munster coaches, have thought that the team is better with him in the team because of the amount of games that he's played. Those, those Munster coaches, how have they done? Well, I would, I would, I would, I would tip my cap to them and say that they know a lot more about. But rugby how have than they I done? Do. What's the outcome of, of what they've done? They haven't been as good as Leinster. Well, how good have they been? Have, well, they, been, I mean, have they been better than being, many other teams? Being second, being second to Leinster in the being second to Leinster in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like, did, uh, you know, other teams have won the league like, over the last decade. A hundred percent. But I'm not like I'm not saying that Munster have been going well or anything like that. It's it's just the, the magnitude of of how big the disaster is. It's just a very interesting thing to pick that, through. I think that they failed to diagnose the problems. I think that stuff like oh, he's he's actually he's okay. Is the kind of is the problem here? Is it excellence? Are they are they striving for excellence? Are they striving to actually win stuff, or are they trying to just be second best? So when they sign Clute, that's that's probably like five years ago at this point. It's, it's longer, I think. Yeah. Probably longer, and maybe they do diagnose that. Maybe they say, listen, we uh, can continue to sign from abroad, but they need to be better players. They need to be, you know, an RG Snyman or a Damien Dialande Maybe. standard and player. And is leaving. Like, it's not like he's bedded in, you know, oh, we, we, we didn't see the best of him. We didn't see the best of him, but he hasn't become somebody who is like cleaved forever to the bosom of Munster. Like, he's, he took the money for a couple of years and he's gone, he's gone straight away. Like, and he's a professional rugby player, so that's his job. And I, I don't in any way begrudge him that. But like, it hasn't been this massive success in that like, they haven't been able to capitalise on it. Like, I think there's two different strands here. It's Munster wanting to develop their own talent, but also that takes time. And when you have to fill those holes that that time creates, you want to win now and you want to try and get as many victories as possible and win trophies in the here and the now. Like, I, I do think that once they signed Snyman and Dialande, the time for the future was not gone, but it was like they have to start turning this into trophies right now. And they yeah. failed to do and so. That's yeah. been a failure. Yes. That's been a, a failure. What's, what'll be... Where we're at. This is a failure. But what, what'll... This, this regime is... So they've got four weeks to pull it together to pull something out of the bag here to completely rewrite history but yeah. and if they do that if they do that that's an amazing turnaround but it is a turnaround and it is amazing but, but I, I guess like yeah and what, what will be interesting now next season is you know the, the, the sort of players that I think maybe we still talk about in a, in a future sense with Munster are going to be the now and I think they just kind of have to trust that and, and if that's if, if they look back on some of the signings they've made and like they've been really unlucky with Snyman for example if they look back on that and say listen we need to go on a different direction here we need to trust the next generation and fairness the next generation the players we've been talking about for years are 23 uh, in and around that age uh, at this point so they are ready to go now but it, it will become maybe a, a new monster over the course of the next few years that comes with a sense of excitement but you, like, you, you have to say that over the last little while 
that there, there hasn't been any proof that, that it's going to lead our, our to any results, sort of silverware. Our results like the one at the weekend where they don't really manage to throw a punch, literally or metaphorically, on Leinster. Is that not like actually damaging in the long run? When you say it's a sense of excitement about the new Munster, you really hope some of those new players coming through are as, as good as we think they will be because the crowd needs something now to get behind that isn't well, this is all well and good, but actually there is a superpower that we're not ready to beat. It's it's a bit like the Leinster Football Championship where it was very hard for anybody outside of Dublin to get excited about anything that was going on because you knew at some point you were going to run into the buzzsaw and the buzzsaw is there and without like you know, without any sense of belief that you can get through that, then everything else kind of becomes pointless. Yeah, well, like I mean, the the, the buzzsaw was also uh, quite threatening because everybody else running into it was crap. Whereas I I, I think that the the gap between Munster and Leinster is smaller than say Dublin and the rest, for example. It's not it's not as hopeless as that, and that's why we're having this conversation. If if it was a team or a province that has no expectation or any hope, how much closer is it? How much closer is it? Come on, like come on, come on. When does it, when does it, when does it feel close now? It's a yeah. home game, it's a home game, and it's over just after half time, and it finishes thirty four nineteen. It's nearly yeah. double scores. Yeah, like it's not that close. No, but it's, it's not. It's not. It's not Leicester Championship far. Is 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 my point? Double scores. Right, like, it's not far off it. Yeah. It's getting to that point. Are, are, you, are, are you are you really yeah. saying that this is? Well, when's the last time D- there was Dublin a win? scoring five goals against me than whatever twenty twenty. Do, do you actually think it's that much of a gap that it's completely comparable? And like, is there is there not credence in the fact that Munster suffer more when they're missing key players than Leinster do, just by dint of the fact that their squad isn't as good? Okay, I, yeah, I, keep making excuses. It's fine. I like, I'm not, make, I'm I not looking for excuses. I'm making reasons. Like, I mean, there's no. Like uh, it has been uh, a failure of a few years. You just years want to love your team, and I understand that. You trophies. should. You should love your team. You should. You should. It's, I'm sorry. We shouldn't have done this. It's not fair. It's like it's a postmortem in public, and you're like not fair. I understand that you're you're too busy. You're still your blood is still one part prosecco, and it's like, how can I be expected <laughs> to defend this team? Yeah, prosecco's good though. <laughs> Uh, will we move on to the other rugby talking point? Yes. Yeah, Christoph Urios. Who's this guy? Is in, is in the red. Everybody knows Christoph Urios. He is the Bordeaux head coach. On Saturday night, Bordeaux were beaten in the top 14. Uh, they were beaten by Ronan O'Gara's La Rochelle. This is the first in a trilogy, by the way, they were playing in the top 14. They're playing twice, back-to-back legs, in the Champions Cup over the next couple of weeks. It was a big game. La Rochelle were trailing Bordeaux. Still are in the league table, but they had to try and close the gap. Tensions pretty high in the game. Just before the referee blew for halftime, uh, O'Gara was uh, kind of on the pitch cheering his team on, uh, uh, like a big moment for his team. Gives it the big one, as you do. And as you can see here on screen, Urias does not take this very well whatsoever. He kind of comes out of shot. Uh, you can see Ronald O'Gara's reaction to what he says. He's not happy whatsoever. He's squared up to him, face and face like Pori Kohora and David Clifford. Uh, and in no uncertain terms, Ronald Agar tells him to get away there, from him. Is there a flick? Is there a flick? Is there, is there a, well, so from Le Keep's uh, live blog, uh, they said, uh, the tension is enormous on the pitch and on the sidelines where Urias and Ogara are arguing. The tension is palpable in this Atlantic but not peaceful derby. Clashes on and off the field have punctuated these 40 minutes. And uh, I guess uh, afterwards then you had questions being asked of uh, the coaches and Urias. Uh, he says... He referred to O'Gara as la foot la merde, which roughly translates to uh, he's effing shit. 
while also calling him unbearable. Um, and he went on, kept calling him unbearable. How can he enter the fields, talk to guys? He is lucky, really. He goes to the stands, he curses up in the stands, he Fs and he shits on the edge of the field. This guy, this guy is unbearable. <laughs> O'Gar didn't uh, uh, necessarily go to that level in his, in his post-match comments. He said it's nothing important. He did not appreciate that I encouraged my players after a ball recovered near our line. I'm a young coach, I need to talk a lot and I want my players to hear me on the pitch. I have a lot of energy and it's important that I pass it on to them. This, this is celebration policing from the Bordeaux head coach. That's yeah. all this is. Yeah. That is all this is. Something has gone against you, you in the Bordeaux. match. Bordeaux, fancy wines. And look, I understand, I, I, I understand you know, the, the sensation of not wanting other people to be happy if they're happy for something that goes against what you wanted to be happy for. But, I mean, you're an actual head coach of a team. You're an actual professional. Although, you are a professional who has a little bit of form in going after other head coaches. Uh, step up Fabian Galtier, formerly uh, head coach at Toulon. Let's look at this exchange from a, a few years ago. Like just, just keep watching this. Who are you? A little, uh, little push. Galtier. Oh, is just scolding him. He has his hands in his pockets like Rod and the Queen. Watch this, watch this. Oh! oh. oh. <laughs> what? It's like, he basically was like, you got something on your jumper and then flicked him up. Oh, he smacked <laughs> him in the face. That is like... Oh, fair play to Galtier for uh, retaining his composure in that instance. So Urias is uh, in the red. Uh, I think if if Urias better be careful, he couldn't be trying that with. Can't be trying that with. Can't be trying that with our fella. Yeah, imagine if he did that to Raj. I mean, no. Um, Ron Lugar has had a busy weekend, actually. Um, the back page of the Irish Independent. Uh, O'Gara would love to have a go at the England job after Jones, uh, Ben Coles, and Rory O'Connor reporting that he's thrown his hat to the ring to become the next England head coach, describing the role as a cracking job. He was on BT Sports Sunday yesterday. And he said, yeah, it would be a great job, I think, actually. What a team. I think there's so much potential there. Serious rugby players, serious passion for the game in England. It's a cracking job. He'd love to have a go at it. Yeah. I mean, all joking aside, I don't think he's actually saying right now, this is a job for me. But it's definitely everybody. everybody's on alert. It's mm. like, um, you know, I think the turnaround in their season, the, the season started slowly for them, but they roared right back into it. And uh, he is proving himself to be one of the best and most interesting and dynamic and exciting coaches who's going to bring he's going to bring the attention like if you're the owner of any of those clubs in England or in France looking at what's going on it's box office and it's the type of exciting rugby that you really want it's like he is, his team plays a brilliant style so um, you know I mean if he was to get the England job that would be amazing wouldn't it like it'd be hard to hate them anymore I mean you'd have to but it would be hard to yeah, like I mean, I'm sure the players would do a pretty good job of allowing us to continue to to hate England. But what an opportunity it would be! Like it, it does feel that it's kind of it feels like these next eighteen months are an, <laughs> an, an audition for everybody who associates himself with the England job, because I, I presume, and I guess it is a bit of a presumption that Eddie Jones will be there to the end of the next World Cup. Uh, but you have like Rob Baxter, who said last week that he's happy to speak with the RFU about the England role, and he's kind of really put his name out there as somebody who would who would like to get the job. So there's going to be a slew of coaches within the Premiership as well who, who would want this and who are English, which, which would obviously be a, a crucial factor for, for the next England boss, you might suspect. Not that it's right or wrong, because I think Eddie Jones has done all right, especially when it comes to the World Cup, and he may well have a great World Cup next year, but I think there might be a sense that the RFU will want an Englishman next. Yeah, they've, they have said that they would prefer an internal candidate and definitely an Englishman, so perhaps um, O'Gara is not really in the mix for it. But you never know, stuff like this where... Like if he was to go on and win the European Cup this year, 
is that the level that you would need to be at before you'd have enough currency with the English hacks or would the fact that they actually all know him and remember him as a brilliant player buy him enough time for him to be the antithesis of Eddie Jones who would be you know approachable to them happy uh, they would be happy that he's got the gig there'd be a honeymoon period Is how long would that be I suppose I'm asking but if he wins a Champions Cup, you'd have to say that his like that's that puts him right into the to the frame for for a test job. Really, uh, I, I'd say he's he's possibly test ready for a number of of different nations already at this point. But uh, winning that Champions Cup would definitely buy him the credit with with the English acts. But the, the playing career being recent as well is is such a big thing. And like I, I'd say that even the character he is, if you're talking specifically about the hacks and the English media, like I, I think that. O'Gara is a, a, quite generous when, when it comes to his quotes, when it comes to what he says. He's very honest, forthright. I think he's, he, he doesn't necessarily invite any sort of uh, negative publicity or any sort of negative agenda. Right. Comments coming in. Eamon says, When did every station have such a pro-Munster bias? Always concentrating on Munster. Look, Munster are a team of excuses. Next year, next year. Give it a break. Ulster now, number two. Leinster win again and good performance. And all the media talk about Munster is OTBAM sponsored by Ivamec, Barry's Tea. <laughs> uh, Michael says, should Munster not develop their own players better? Well, that would be nice. Uh, and Tennis Tank says, too early for this arguing. Haha, <laughs> it's only for Owen. He's, he's definitely, he's still daydreaming of David Clifford and just how good he looks on that Croke Park pitch. Everybody should, everybody from that province should be as good as him. It's just my point. What if David Clifford played rugby? But that's um, that is not a question. That is not the first time I've heard that question. That question definitely got uh, floated in the uh, in the aftermath of the twenty nineteen World Cup. What if he managed to, you know, funnel all that talent into the Irish rugby team? Would we would we win a rugby World Cup? Where would he play? I mean, you could stick Midfield? him outside centre. Yeah. Yeah. You could stick him out half. You could stick him full back. Yeah, a bit of a yeah. Possibly stick him number seven. I, it's hard. It's hard to know just because. Considering his style, is he um, is he like a Jacob Stockdale type player potentially? Even but Stockdale's probably faster. I don't faster. know. I don't it's know. hard to know. Well, certainly, uh, speed running with the ball, you would say it seems like Clifford is as fast as any human being has ever been. I don't know. Maybe we're maybe the hype train has left the station and it's too late. Do you reckon maybe it's not? <laughs> uh, it's just and it's so disappointing. He just never shows up in the big games in Croke Park. Like yeah, it's like it's so disappointing. Is that are we doing him next or what do you want to do? Well, let's just move on to the amber first because we got to go. Oh, we should. Uh, Sorry, I yeah. forgot about the traffic light system here. The traffic light system. It's uh, yeah, it's it's the British style, isn't it? Uh, amber for green. Uh, Tiger Woods in the Grand is usually what we call the amber, but like we can't really call it the Grand. It's an, he's an amber because there's just a whole pile of uncertainty around Tiger Woods at the moment. There's no decision made yet as to whether or not he's going to play Augusta. But he showed up to Augusta. He's practicing at Augusta. Yesterday, Evan Priest of Golf Digest said, I just watched Tiger Woods on the range here at Augusta National. Warm-up lasted less than 20 minutes. Worked from wedges up to driver. He did, and in block caps, not miss a shot. Every shot was flushed. Has not lost any speed. If that doesn't get you and your juices flowing for the return of Tiger Woods this week, then I don't know what does. Billy Horschel says, He looks like the Tiger we saw before the accident. Um... Tiger hasn't played since, uh, obviously, since uh, Augusta at the end of, of 2020 at a top level event. And, like, I mean, his comeback with Charlie at that competition last December probably raised a few eyebrows. It's very hard to kind of decipher that unless he's actually playing competitive golf, once he's playing round after round. He did tweet yesterday saying that I will be heading up to Augusta today to continue my preparation and practice. It will be a game time decision 
on whether or not I compete. And uh, that's what the, the latest is on that. was going to be a press conference tomorrow. And I suspect tomorrow, I think it's going to be like uh, 6 o'clock Irish time. Uh, that's probably when we'll know whether or not uh, Woods is going to, to, to make the comeback. But I guess, like, where are we setting the bar on this for this to be an, an extraordinary comeback? Is it him playing and making the cut? Is it him being in contention? Is it him just playing at all this week? Is, is that actually where, where the bar is now? Either way, it's going to be the talking point this week. Look, if, if he plays and doesn't make the cut, it's a nice story. But if he plays and makes the cut, it's one of those kind of American comebacks. If he plays and makes the cut and in any way is in contention, it's one of the best sports stories. You know, but we, like... Do we know exactly the extent of the injuries? It sounded they all sounded pretty horrific. But again, yeah. did he speak openly about it, or was it all kind of second and third hand? Well, he he did say um, initially, I was just looking forward to getting outside. That that was the the scale of of what we've heard from himself. Like I think, uh, I think he was initially wheelchair bound after the accident, and then slowly went up to crutches and then started walking unaided like this. And for a man of his age, is absolutely incredible if he gets back to being a competitive sports person. Obviously, the talent that he has uh, makes it more plausible. Anybody else, you're thinking to yourself, this is absolutely impossible. Like even wasn't it the the Hero World Challenge when he was sitting down at a press conference and he he said that he was in pain while he was sitting down doing the press conference, spoke about the, the dark moments that he had during it. It definitely feels like this is, this is the hardest thing to come back from, potentially. And that, that is saying quite a lot in Tiger Woods' career. But the context of that is that he is a few years older at this point. Actually getting back to being competitive um, is, it, it would be quite an achievement. 25 years this year, by the way, since 97 and that famous yeah. first green jacket. It's, it's, it is funny how his perception has changed from, like, public villain to beloved old folk in the space of a couple of years, isn't it? Is that because we've come to like a general understanding that humans are flawed and it's and people have done worse things in Tiger Woods, especially in sport? I don't know. That whole other people have done worse things doesn't really seem to cut it in most walks of life. No. <laughs> like, no, but I wonder, it's like, I mean, is there a sense that, you know, sports people have, have let us down in so many other walks of life and our brain has only a certain capacity for, you know, Hating people and, and we forget uh, and yeah, yeah throwing cold shoulder to people and also he's Tiger Woods. Also, the fact that he's absolutely sensational is one hundred percent a factor in in everybody's forgiveness. Um, but even forgiveness kind of feels like a bit of a gratuitous term. Right to the green. The GEA stories we'll get to in a moment. Chidoza Agbeni very quickly before that though, uh, an extra time goal for him in the EFL Trophy for Rotherham yesterday, uh, scoring the winner at Wembley, an absolute screamer. If anybody didn't see this, um, the, the Papa John's trophy uh, went the way of Rotherham as a result of uh, Chidozi Agbeni's goal. Um, extremely hard for us today. He's accredited to Sutton afterwards. You know, the, the, the proper players speak, but really, I mean, this was just a, another incredible moment on what's been a fantastic 12, 18 months for Agbeni and you're just seeing this, this, this story play out that we've I guess kind of had a preview to in the international scene and now it's becoming a little bit of a thing in England, not for Rotherham fans of course, but for maybe fans of other clubs who are like, okay, this guy is exceptionally good and I wonder, I'd be very interested to see what happens this summer, I wonder where his ceiling is actually going to lie. It goes like this, get your moves because everybody sees them. So whenever a manager goes to a director of football or whenever a director of football goes to an owner and says, this is the guy we're signing, it's like, all right, I can get behind that. Uh, this is an exciting, explosively talented, on the face of it, young player in terms of the number of games that he has played at um, a senior level, but certainly who seems to have the maturity to deal with it. And it's very exciting. Like, this is a proper, 
we should start getting excited about the future for him and Parrot and Michael Obafemi. We've got a list this week. We had to do a list this week of uh, near misses. Um, Obafemi scored twice the weekend. Uh, Authority scored again. Like, is it a, is it a coincidence that all these players are beloved by their manager and and being given confidence and getting a bit of man management for the international? Maybe it is. Maybe it's a complete fluke. It's nothing to do with Stephen Kenny. You know, but it might be. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. It's like it's not. It's not nothing. The, the international windows. It's like it's sometimes just brushed off as everything has to plug into the club scene and everything you see in the international scene is is a, is a product of it. But they do spend some time in the training ground. They do spend some time together. They like it's not like they don't. Well, they're getting do any phone work calls and texts. Jack yeah. Burns getting the texts. You know, yeah. like and and it's not a sort of uh, dismissive. Uh, hear about yourself being spoken down to in a press conference it's a uh, oh you're I'm actually quite good in the eyes of my manager yeah he thinks I'm brilliant yeah he's told me I'm brilliant again and again and then I go and do something and he's like oh, I can't actually do the stuff he told me I was going to do so yeah. right uh, we'll move on to the league winners uh, Waterford Kerry big wins at the weekend I think it's fair to say Waterford goal 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 it's the one way to beat Limerick potentially this year is with goals all these little beautiful Daisy cutters, not daisy cutters, but ones that just bobble off the grass uh, was uh, how they found the back of the net pretty much on all their occasions. And I think people are really talking up Waterford as a potential All-Ireland winner at this point, not just a contender. We'll know after Limerick's first championship game, I dare say, as to how real that is. That's, that's the real litmus test as to where Limerick are going to be once uh, the championship kicks off. Still very much favourites, but Waterford, you'd have to say, very much second favourites at this point so uh, a great day for them bad day for Cork a sixth national final defeat for Patrick Horgan at this point and it feels like a little bit of a step backwards until I found out loads about Saturday then Sunday Mayo against Kerry I guess did Mayo find out as much as Cork less than Cork as a result of yesterday felt like they weren't very interested after a certain point in the game yesterday the flip side of that is that Portugal Hora seemed to care quite a lot was he just out in an island like I mean was he on his own was there, did the 14 other players not care and he did care or did actually did their performance completely let themselves down and are we now rushing to the conclusion that they didn't that they didn't care very very hard to, to, to find out what the, the truth is you tell me well, you, what do you think I think that just because they massively underperformed that they were missing five key players doesn't mean that we can't read into something this game. We can't we can't just bury it and say that doesn't matter. Like I do think that some of the players that they're missing, of course, a fully fit Killian O'Connor will transform that team. Paddy Durkin always plays well against Kerry. He would have made a huge uh, transformation in Dermot O'Connor uh, in the peak of his powers at the moment. There, there's no way you can make a case that they don't transform. But they might Mayo not be available level. if the teams meet later on in the year, right? Like the the injured players and the absentee players, you can't automatically include them in the starting lineup on the day of the next match because you don't know whether or not they're going to be fit and you don't know if Killian O'Connor is going to reach Killian O'Connor standards this year coming back from an Achilles it might be next year before he's back to his best yeah maybe so I gave you a little bit of a preview earlier the never give a sucker an even break theme from yesterday is Mayo should have been looking at Kerry and saying to themselves never give a sucker an even break the last time Kerry beat Mayo in Croke Park before yesterday Dublin hadn't even won one of their, what was it, seven All-Irelands. It was 2011, the last time Kerry actually got one over Mayo in Croke Park. That rivalry has completely changed over the last little while. Mayo have gone down to Tralee and won there plenty of times. Like, not that they were under the thumb, Kerry, from Mayo, but there, there was definitely a team that Kerry had started to fear or had, had feared, really, over the last little while. Granted, I mean, they couldn't have just shown up and decided to, to beat Kerry yesterday. Kerry were very, very good. But maybe there could have been more of a psychological win if they if they thought about it on the day. Like, if you go back through Kerry's recent record in Croke Park before yesterday, 
appalling really since they won the 2017 league final there they played there 12 times and only won twice it was a terrible terrible Croke Park record going into yesterday that's why it was a significant win for Kerry yesterday in the context of this year is because they've won a relatively big game in Croke Park no it doesn't mean all that much you saw the players at the full time whistle they don't care too much about winning a league title but psychologically I think this is a big thing they went down to 14 men for 10 minutes in the second half and Mayo for a second thought that they might be able to launch a comeback what happens at that point? Shane Ryan, who hasn't been the first-choice goalkeeper, pings, kick-out, nails it. The next one, he nails it. The next one, he nails it. And that, for me, is what you can read into from yesterday. When the pressure was on, not for the full 70, 80 minutes, but when the pressure was on in, in those moments, Kerry actually did step up. I think that's a big hurdle for them to overcome yesterday. I think Mayo had an opportunity to make that hurdle a little bit more difficult for a rival, and they failed to do so. So that's what I'm reading into yesterday. Yeah, I think... I think there's always a fair point and I think the same applies from Waterford's perspective is that they actually do benefit from a national title at this stage in their evolution and that that is a management team who is getting absolutely everything out of that group of players who still have many other players to fit into the team over the next five or six weeks when the Munster Hurling Championship explodes. Um, so very, very excited about what, what Waterford are doing. Like they're... The one thing you would say is that maybe Cork didn't quite have championship intensity, although I don't know why. Like I don't know why they wouldn't have had because it felt like they needed to to win one of those games. So I don't think Cork are as damaged as some people are telling us in the aftermath of that game. I definitely think that it's a new competition. It starts in two weeks and away we go. Let's wait and see what happens in that one. But the Munster Hurling Championship is like as good a sports competition as there is. It could be even better if they all played each other a bit more often. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's as good as it's as good as you can hope for. Um and you should pay attention to every single second of it because it's going to be lit. Mayo's performance was so vanilla mm-hmm. and their defensive structure was didn't didn't exist. Didn't like, exist. So we talked to Colin Boyle a good bit over the last couple of months and he talks about adding plus ones and always having an extra sweeper. There was none of that last. There was none of that. Yeah. So they were like, we don't care. Clifford's gonna, Clifford is clearly going to win that battle. But what happens later in the summer if they, if they go again? There's like a fire in Ahura that like, um, Ahura plus one. Is it the same result? I'm not sure. I don't know. Like, I mean, himself and Mullen took turns on Clifford and Tralee a few weeks ago and obviously the result was much better from Mayo. Um, leaving him one-on-one, leaving anyone one-on-one with Clifford is obviously going to be a bit of a nightmare. But later in the summer, if they play again, you've all of a sudden got Sean O'Shea to worry about in that carry attack. Like, they had Gavin White to worry about yesterday for only half the game. Like, anybody who was there will have seen that Gavin White was not, not the same player after that head knock. Like, in the second half, he was struggling for a long time before he got taken off. So, you got barely half a game out of Gavin White. No, no game time out of Sean O'Shea. They've had to navigate the last few weeks without two of their best players. Like, Clifford's amazing. Clifford's possibly going to go down as one of the best players of all time. But Sean O'Shea and Gavin White are absolutely incredible players. Absolutely incredible players. Arguably the two best players in their position in the country right now. And Kerry basically haven't had them for the last few weeks. So, like, I think there was a lot of talk after the game in Tralee a few weeks ago that, you know, who has more players to come back in? I think Kerry probably had more players to come back in than, than Mayo that night. But I think in yesterday, in the context of yesterday, given why it did play some game time, I think Mayo clearly have, have more to come back in for, from that night. And maybe Mullen does make a difference. The fact that he didn't implement some sort of defensive structure does illustrate to me that they, they didn't care about it's a, yesterday. It's a, key, it's a key indicator that... Yeah. Um, what well, I would say about that, and I need to watch the game back, but like, it didn't feel as if Kerry were overly 
uh, stringent on their defensive system either. They defended very well and they defended in numbers, but Tyg Morley dropping back as a sweeper, certainly if you watch the first five minutes of the game, they went man-to-man, and he dropped back a little bit and then he went man-to-man for a little while. So I think this idea that Kerry you know, had sweeper back and kept him there, which they had done for a lot of the games this year, that actually wasn't true yesterday. So I wonder, did, that, did Mayo tap into that a little bit? They were like, okay, well, there's actually no extra man here for us to drop back because he's not doing that. So I don't know, if they, like, you need to kind of rewatch the game to see exactly where he was because you're trying to keep up to speed with what's actually happening score-wise. Yeah, I do wonder about how, like, rewatch the game well and good, but actually when it comes down to it, if that was an Ireland semi-final, Mayor line and egg totally differently. I, I'm not saying that they have different... So say they only had that available selection of players, they're still playing totally differently. They'll be much more super defensive. They will have a plan, a specific plan for Clifford that they weren't revealing yesterday. Yeah, to- totally. Um, like it's it, 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 the fact is though that it was fifteen points of a difference. Um, like I think I think that that's that's an easier thing to to take away if if you've lost by six six to eight points. Definitely, like, definitely. You would have thought they were much closer, even if they go fifteen on fifteen, that it ends up that way. But they lost by thirteen points in the two thousand and six All Ireland final, which is often painted as something that it was worse than that. <laughs> yeah, like, it was. Which, well, it was, it was, it was, and that game was does, over after eight minutes. Matter, so. Like so. Um, and and is Shane Ryan now the goalkeeper? Yes, that was the big thing. Yesterday was an absolutely huge game for Kerry. They needed to win yesterday. They needed to put those goals to bed and the goalkeeper needed to have a big day. And Jack O'Connor, like, I mean, he's played this league perfectly. What's happened now is that he's got a goalkeeper who is his number one guy who's put in a really good shift in Croke Park. And also his backup has got experience throughout the the league, so... Uh, Okay, okay, so it's Jack O'Connor's a genius. I get it, you love him. Why don't you marry him? I I get it, I get it, I get it. It's it's great, you're fantastic. But what about this, Owen? What about the fact that you absolutely mullered Tyrone in the league last year? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't forget that. That's all I'm saying. Never give a sucker an even break. Maybe you're the sucker. But what are you... (laughs) Okay, maybe. But what what do you say? Who's how have we been given an even break? I don't know. What's um, you've been allowed to waltz through, thinking you're deadly and winning a national title? No, nobody's saying that. Celebrating, we are the kings. No, nobody's saying that though. Like, I mean, I think. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you backing in the semi final if it happens? Oh, you have to back Kerry. Kerry Kerry Dublin. Kerry Dublin. Crow Park. Full Hill. Kerry Dublin. Yeah. That'd be interesting see, to see. You're thinking about I'd, it. I'd, you're thinking about oh. it, exactly. And everybody's thinking about it. Well, Kerry no, are the favourites. Kerry, Kerry are three-point favourites as it stands today if that game happens. N- nobody in their right Five mind... Five-point favourites. Nobody in their right mind is thinking that Kerry are going to waltz this All-Ireland. That, that is absolute uh, nonsense. I think but there's there's the, a, price, the price is whew, telescoped now. Everybody, it's Kerry in, a, in, a, well, in their own tier on. and then after that, it's everybody else. I'm you not could, putting that You could have on. a number one Kerry in the power rankings and then you could have joint fourth. It would be... There is a... Mayo, Dublin, Tyrone... And maybe somebody else. A L- little bit of a preview for the power rankings this week. Any, Toronto are clearly, clearly going to be an All Ireland contender this year, and what we like, the, 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 they are the one team who beat them this spring. All right, twelve minutes past eight. That is this week's power rankings.